show, we have Allison Kajovic coming to us from Calgary in the beautiful province of Alberta. Allison is a barrister and solicitor, a.k.a. a lawyer, with the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, and she is uh, casting a concerned eye over the ongoing war against civil liberties in this country and uh, what happened in Ontario, of course, the announcement of the VAX pass or the VAX certificate. Uh, you're going to need a, a pass, a, a, an app on your phone and uh, QR codes and uh, all sorts of restrictions for people who, do, for whatever reason, have opted not to get the vaccine. So we're, in a sense, uh, a very real sense, moving towards kind of a two-tier society split uh, between those who are getting the shot or have gotten the shot, rather, but, and those who have not. It's, uh, it's, it's not a good time for those who believe in freedom, and now, sadly, even Alberta has gone in that direction. These are uh, not the best of times for those of us who love freedom, are they, Allison? No, they're not. And, you know, you, you see it in um, uh, people can't go to restaurants, can't work out at the gym, uh, university students can't get an education uh, if they can't do their courses online, and, you know, there's there's threats of uh, denying people health care without being vaccinated for COVID. So we're going down a, a dark and dangerous path, in our view, in terms of um, in terms of people's uh, rights and freedoms. And uh, it's it's very scary. And whether you're vaccinated or not, the issue is, um, in our view, people ought to have the right to choose uh, whether to be vaccinated. And if they don't want to be vaccinated for COVID-19, then, then they ought to have that choice without having their livelihood stripped away and without have, being being barred from society. So it really is a frightening time. Yeah, and then the rhetoric that, uh, that Justin Trudeau is using, really, um, I find the mask has come off this guy. There's nothing subtle about him. It is really, uh, we're good. They're the bad people over there, and they're going to pay a price, and there are going to be consequences uh, it's not uh, it's not the kind of things that you you expect from a a prime minister type of person uh, who's supporting presumably freedom. This guy uh, is saying that uh, vaccine passports will be a long term prospect as well. So it's not going to be something that's going to end once the pandemic ends. There's this concern around this going on lasting for for many years to come. Yeah, and I think that that's what a lot of people don't realize yet. You know, we we were told last year the only way back to normal is with the vaccine. And so a lot of people that, that I know of uh, specifically took, their, took the shot, not necessarily because they were really afraid of COVID because they're younger and healthy, but because they thought it was a ticket back to their freedoms. But as we can see... You know, there's still mask mandates. We've got something like 80% of, of the population has been vaccinated. But, you know, the talk of possible future lockdowns is not going away. Uh, you, you know, the kids are kids are getting uh, masked up at school. Um, and, you know, now there's the prime minister is basically using rhetoric that is divisive and, and divide society as opposed to bringing people together to try and get through this together. So it's, it's really alarming and, um, and very concerning, certainly from a, a legal perspective as well. Yeah, let's so listen. we're, you know, hmm? yeah, let's, let's, let's listen to this uh, soundbite, this clip of, of Trudeau. 
But in the interim, and as a first step, since a number of provinces have chosen to step forward with a vaccine certification of their own, we have decided that the best way to do that is to work with each of them so that they are reasonably standardized across the country and so that there is a federal certification on that that will be accepted for international travel. It is an interim measure, perhaps will last a year or so, um, before we bring in the formalized passport version of it. <laughs> this guy's like a, it's amazing, you know, they sound like uh, sort of passive aggressive. Oh yeah, it's all so reasonable. I mean, when, what I hear there is restrictions in our uh, ability to travel outside Canada. So, for instance, once this thing comes in, uh, if you want to leave Canada, you'd better be vaxxed or you're going to maybe be restricted in your movements. I mean, is that what you're hearing? Well, that's unclear at this point. And I'll say the, the announcement that... Uh, the Prime Minister and the Liberals are going to put in a restriction on interprovincial travel. That's clear to us, uh, but the, the international travel aspect is unclear. I'm not quite sure whether that means for now the vaccine passport will be able to be used by Canadians entering other countries which require proof of vaccination to get in, or whether it will be required to get on an airplane to leave the country. That is going to be very difficult in our view legally uh, because the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, of course, protects your right to mobility under Section 6 of the Charter. And that section is very strong that Canadians have a right to freely enter and leave, uh, enter and leave Canada. So for them to put in this uh, restriction is going to be met with fierce resistance. And it's, it's, in our view, it's going to be um, a real legal fight because that section is very strong. So I'm not quite sure what that means. I certainly hope it doesn't mean that we that people can't leave the country. Um, that would be very, very frightening indeed. I know that for now, it's clear that they intend to restrict interprovincial travel. So we'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see the legislation that comes in if and when um, Trudeau is successful at the, after the election. So yeah, we'll just have to see, and we will respond, and, and we will respond appropriately. And uh, you know, we're we're making preparations to fight the Ontario passport system, and we're going to be launching other legal actions as well, fighting these vaccine mandates across the country. Will that delay the implementation of these mandates? The fact that you're taking no, these, uh, the, no. taking unfortunately them to court? not. Unfortunately not. It won't likely delay anything, but, uh, you know, we're hopeful that, you know, bringing these issues uh, to to a court, looking at all the evidence, we're, we're hoping that uh, the court will be able to look at the science and say, you know, this isn't necessary because if, if, you, if you're following the current science, these vaccine passports are not necessary. And I can say that because the latest research is that vaccinated people actually are able to spread COVID uh, as well as the unvaccinated. They're able to catch it and spread it. So why are we choosing to ban the unvaccinated from universities and public settings where vaccinated people can spread COVID as well? And certainly in Israel, which is one of the most vaccinated countries in the world, they're facing a, a COVID Delta variant crisis over there. 
And, uh, you know, it's the vaccinated as well as the unvaccinated are catching and spreading it. And even Sweden has banned uh, travelers from Israel from entering its borders because of the all of the high case counts in Israel. So, um, you know, we're not... Uh, we're not an anti-vax organization. We are a pro-choice, pro-freedom organization. And so we're, we're coming to this looking at, you know, with the angle, it's, it's really up to the individual to choose, uh, fully informed of all the risks and benefits of getting the vaccine. And, and it's, it's your choice whether to get it or not. And you ought not to be banished from living your life normally because you don't want to partake in, in the vaccination. So, you know, we're hopeful that once we get some medical opinion and put that before the court and show that uh, there's really no benefit to these vaccine passports, that uh, that the court will, will help us to overturn these mandates. Now, wouldn't that be something if they actually did their job? Um, yeah. What's going on in Alberta? I mean, uh, that was the one hope for those who felt that... Uh, if there was one place in Canada that would not be imposing one of these restrictive uh, mandates, these uh, vaccine passports or certificates, whatever you want to call it, it would be Alberta. But sadly, uh, the Kenny government now is caving in that regard as well, correct? Well, we're not quite sure yet. I mean, I haven't seen an announcement that there will be a vaccine passport unless that came in today. I haven't seen one. But what he is doing is he. Uh, you know, he's blaming the unvaccinated and offering incentives, monetary incentives of $100 to people who still haven't been vaccinated to get their shots. And also, he's you know, reintroduced the mask mandate. So, you know, it looks like he might be heading in that direction. I'm, I'm going to remain hopeful that he doesn't. But, uh, you know, we heard from Bonnie Henry, Dr. Henry in B.C., earlier in the year that she wasn't going to bring in a vaccine passport and she's gone and done that. And, and, you know, um, same with uh, Premier Ford, uh, said that he wasn't planning on bringing in the vaccine passport because it's divisive and we're not going to have a two-tiered society and and here we we are. So, you know, it's really hard to trust what you're hearing um, and and make a a good decision about where you want to be. I know lots of people that I know are, were interested in moving to Alberta because it seemed like, you know, the last holdout. But, you know, you, you just can never tell. It seems to, the rules seem to change every week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, other provinces too, of course, Quebec has a very restrictive one. And many, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of Quebecers have opposed it. And they continue to oppose it. We've seen huge rallies in Montreal and elsewhere. Uh, in the Maritimes, I don't believe that New Brunswick has one. But uh, Nova Scotia has talked about getting one. And then my understanding is the change in government there from liberal to conservative saw a change in attitude, but they're still going to follow the science. So, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, whatever the medical officials say, chief medical officers. And so they're always pushing for more restrictions. It's like, that's, you know, it's, it's knee jerk with those people, you know, to to these people, uh, their hammers and everything looks like a nail, just lock it down, you know, wear a mask. It's all these people seem to understand and, uh, and bring in a more restrictive uh, laws. And so, um, you know, we need politicians to step up and do their job representing the people, not just simply be, uh, you know, emissaries for the bureaucrats 
you know, they've got to be more than that. They've got to make real decisions based on many considerations, not just what the chief medical officer has to say. Yeah, exactly. And and one of the things that, you know, I, I keep coming back to and it sort of rings in my head is the statistics for recovery from COVID. If you're under 60 years old and you don't have any uh, pre-existing conditions, your chances of recovery from COVID are more than 99.99%. So when you have young people who can't go to college and university or, you know, can't can't work their jobs, um, you know, who's in the workforce? It's the people under 60. And they're the ones who are least likely to have real, you know, long-term problems with, with COVID, and that includes death. So why are we putting in these mandates which affect the working population when it's the people over 60, and especially with comorbidities, those are the people that uh, have the most to fear from COVID. So, you know, the, the statistics, they don't, they don't match the mandates that are going in. So, you know, we, we're hoping that a court will, will listen to that. And, and those statistics come from the CDC itself. So it's not, it's not d- disputed. It's just not, it's not front and center when politicians and uh, the chief medical health officers get on camera. They don't remind the public that they have a more than 99% chance of recovery. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then we have the fear-mongering from the media which takes its cue from government officials, which sadly now they pay. So <laughs> you've reduced much of the media to little more than mouthpieces for government because they're basically uh, yeah, wards of the state now, some of them anyway, not all of them, but a good chunk of the media is just uh, have been reduced to you know public relations for, uh, for the Liberal Party of Canada. And so it's hard to get different voices and so that's why it's so important to hear from people like yourself. I don't know how you're finding uh, the media coverage of this issue. Uh, I think it's it's been seriously lacking. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, I mean, there's there's many many people, legal scholars, and uh, you know, former politicians that I've seen on alternative media sources like Rumble or BitChute. Uh, who are talking about, you know, how how unlawful these passports are under the charter. But the only articles that you seem to see in the mainstream, with with a couple of exceptions, but the majority of the articles are are from those, you know, uh, legal professors and doctors who are saying the same thing that we need the passport system and that a charter challenge is likely to fail. So the, the problem with that is that the public, by and large, unless they are hearing the other side, unless they're they're looking for the other argument, they're not hearing that there is a different opinion. And there certainly are other opinions and other doctors and other lawyers out there, other professors who have an opposite view that this is unlawful, it's not necessary, it's not justifiable, it's not science-based, but those voices are not being heard and they're being censored. So I find it really troubling, you know, to to read uh, day in and day out that, uh, you know, people claiming that their charter rights are being infringed really are not going to likely be successful in court because there certainly are other viewpoints on that. And those articles often don't cite the current 
science and the current data as well. So the majority of the public who are just following only the mainstream sources are not understanding that there are other points of view out there, and I find that very troubling. Yeah, indeed. And also the, the disparaging way in which much of the coverage has taken place, portraying the protesters as anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers and all this stuff, when the vast majority of those people probably just want uh, the option of whether to be vaxxed or not and not have their freedoms taken away. I mean, uh, there's even talk of denying people health care. I mean, I, there's not a whole lot of talk in Canada about that, but we're seeing it elsewhere in Australia, for instance. Even some doctors uh, in the United States that have come out and said, well, I'm not treating somebody if they're not vaxxed. I mean, this is extremely troubling. I mean, we've all paid into the system. We've all helped uh, through our taxes uh, create uh, the health care industry in this uh, in this country and uh, we expect that those services will be available when we want them and when we need them are you finding that there's some disturbing talk around restricting health care for people who are unvaxxed well I I'd heard of some rumors about that and I'd seen a Washington Post article from a couple of days ago uh, which was suggesting that the unvaccinated should be at the back of the line when it comes to being treated. And I hadn't seen anything in Canada directly until uh, a, a lung trans- transplant patient contacted our office. And I can talk about this because we've news released it. Her name is Annette Lewis and she lives in Alberta and she's currently on a waiting list for a new set of lungs for a serious terminal condition that she has, not related to smoking. And she was told, uh, she's number two on the list, and she doesn't have much time left. She was told that she must get the COVID shot in order to get her transplant. And she uh, followed their advice, got all of the other vaccinations they asked her to get, but she's afraid to take the COVID vaccine because it's still in clinical trials and it's still in the experimental phase and she doesn't want to take it. So she's not an anti-vaxxer, she's just, you know, being careful. And she was told if you don't take the vaccine, you're going to be taken off of the donor list and you won't get your new lungs. So that is uh, profoundly disturbing to us. And uh, we are, we've written a letter to the University of Alberta Hospital um, trying to see if they'll change their mind and lift that requirement because uh, this is a serious infringement of her life, liberty, and security, because she will die if she doesn't get that transplant. So, you know, she's exercising her freedom of choice, and uh, she's being punished for doing so in the worst possible way. So that we're is hopeful absolutely that, outrageous. That is absolutely yeah, disgusting. And can you imagine how stressful this is for her, uh, you know, to have the courage to come forward and, uh, and, and fight back on that, knowing that uh, you know, she's going to lose her life if she doesn't get that surgery, which she's almost next in line to get. So, you know, it's it's cases like that that uh, that really resonate with us, and uh, we're hopeful that there will be a happy ending. But uh, you know, I'm just not sure at this point. Well, thank you for uh, for filling us in on that disturbing news. Uh, how can people support your organization? Uh, well, uh, we we are uh, funded by uh, private donations. We're not government funded. We're a charity. 
and uh, we have a small group of lawyers and the only way that we're able to uh, do the work that we do hire the medical experts to help us with these important cases is if the public uh, donates to us you can go to our website www.jccf.ca and um, any donation small or big helps because it will help us to hire more lawyers to be able to fight these challenges and i can tell you that we have a minimum of 500 emails every day from people in all sectors in Canada begging us to help them, students and um, you know professionals who are threatened with being fired, police officers, firefighters, paramedics, you name it. There's so many people who are begging us to, for us to help them and we just don't have the resources to help most of them, unfortunately. So any donation will help us just to, to hire more staff to be able to take on more cases.